What you have gone through in life doesn't always define who you are, but it's part of a larger plan, working for a greater good, a better you. Here is where you'll hear stories of adversity turned into victory, stories of faith, both steadfast and wavering, but testimonies nonetheless that may change your heart, your perspective, even your life. Welcome to Testimonies. Hello, I'm Tessa Spencer, and thank you once again for joining me. My guest on this episode of Testimonies is a holistic health practitioner, a brand new father, but just as important uh, is his journey in life now. He's had some challenging times, uh, being bullied, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, a medical disqualification that kept him from commissioning in the Marine Corps. Looking forward to talking about that and suicide attempts. All of that uh, has made Brad Aniskevich, did I say it right? <laughs> that was pretty close. I'm impressed. I always, because oh, that's the second time I've had to pronounce it. How close am I this time? <laughs> oh, that was like 90%. 90%. Okay. That was close. And so yeah. you told me, just say, you know, Brad A to Z, because your name begins yes. with an A. It ends with Z, but pronounce it for everyone. It is Aniskevich. Aniskevich. I said, okay, Skevich, like Manischewitz or something like that. Okay. Yeah, or like if you were if you were eating like oatmeal in the morning and yeah. you had to sneeze. Yes. Oh, yeah. Aniskevich. <laughs> Aniskevich. Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. But thank you uh, for being yeah. a guest on the show. We'll get into it a little bit later about how uh, we uh, met. And I recently spoke with uh, someone who's going to be a future guest on the show and uh, she talked about how God connects the dots uh, using mm-hmm. people, and he uh, definitely connected the dots uh, between you and I. But let's get started, Brad. Um, you're originally from Jasper, Georgia. Um, yes, ma'am. That's right up there, start of the Appalachian Trail. Talk a little bit about what it was like growing up for you there as a child. Yeah, so we actually bounced around a lot. My mom, I got blessed with the opportunity to have a mom who is a um, special needs teacher. And um, my dad with work, even though he traveled a lot, and even though I grew up in a broken home, um, I spent most of my time in the suburbs of like the Johns Creek, Alpharetta area. That's Mm -hmm. where I went to school. Mm -hmm. That's where I, I, um, I had some friends. So when my parents split and I chose to be with my mom full time, um, we eventually got to the point where we just moved around a bunch in the North Georgia area. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are stomping grounds for my mom's side of the family. So, um, it was all up there. Lake Lanier was right around the corner. So it felt like lake life, yeah. even though we didn't live <laughs> on the lake. Right. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, definitely didn't want the, uh, the city, the burbs or the gotcha. mountain life. So I decided to come down here to Charleston. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we'll get more on, uh, talk a little bit more here, just a few minutes about what your life has been like since you've moved to Charleston. Mm-hmm. But let's begin in the early years of, uh, Brad, um, you were bullied in school. Yeah. Um, I was bullied very, very early on in school. Um, I had a little bit of a list and um, Southern accent, I guess, compared to other people in the very popular suburbs mm-hmm. outside of Atlanta. Um, but I was also bullied because I lacked um, an expression of health. I was on breathing treatments all the time. I could hardly play sports. And uh, my mom and dad would swear to you that I was athletic because I attempted tennis and baseball. Yeah. But um, yeah, did not work at all. I was uh, I was like 
third string bench for oh, every single athletic deep. sports team. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, so I got into um, comic books. I got into Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all those things. I loved playing chess. So I was on the chess team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that put me in a um, small group of people. And, um, yeah, I was, I was bullied very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, stereotypical nerd category. And yeah. every time I would attempt to make friends, um, there's a lot of generational wounding of anger in talk my family. That. Yeah, talk about um, that. Yeah. So um, without going too much into detail, because sure. it's not my story to tell. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of anger on the men's side of my family. Mm-hmm. And it's just gotten handed down and handed down. And being the oldest son, of course, I got a big brunt of that. And um, that is how I reacted and responded to everything in my environment, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. And that just made the bullying get that much worse because I would respond out of anger and kids would think that it was a really funny reaction mm-hmm. um, because they understood emotions differently than I did. And I never had an opportunity to really learn how to express myself mm-hmm. and um be able to reconcile with my hurts and emotions that I was going through. And it always just defaulted back to anger all the time. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, you grew up in the church as well. Yes, ma'am. Um, what was that like as a child? You know, because <clears throat> most children, they'll speak about their growing up in a church in terms of, well, yeah, my mom, my dad made me go to church every Sunday mm. or, you know, they weren't really that involved. But at a young age, you became involved. Yes, um, uh, I have definitely been blessed with so many people um, that just rallied around me during a time of questioning everything. When my parents got divorced, um, the counselor I was seeing was from the church. The people in the church knew of the situation mm-hmm. and um, just looked after me. And they never really um, brought up any of those issues at home. They just um, they mentored me. They they cared for me. They loved me. And um, I went to Andy Stanley's North Point Community Church, so mm-hmm. very big church now. But when it first started, it was just in the Alpharetta area. Mm-hmm. We had just gotten that church building. And I went through all the kids' programs, and it was the cool, attractive thing to do. Um, and at first, you know, that was the place where I wasn't being bullied. Uh, but by the time I got to high school, everyone from my high school was also going to those high school programs. So that because, made it easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but North Point did such a phenomenal job at trying to reach high school and college age kids Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that they planted seeds before, you know, going out and experiencing all that the world um, has to offer. Okay. Now, of course, this would be something that you would um, have to lean on uh, in the, in your future life um, heading. And that's where we want to pick up with really, really where the journey begins. Now um, Mm -hmm. you say that the only people group that, accepted you and befriended you um, from middle school and high school were the marginalized. But you say the only people that never judged you were the addicts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, even in the church, um, I did feel judged by the way I had presented myself or some of the questions that I had asked. And it was never anyone's fault. It's just I think that there is a lack of equipping um, for some of those conversations of darkness and um 
the marginalized kids in the schools were the kids that didn't really come from money um, in the popular suburbs and uh, were also the ones that were addicted to drugs and alcohol very early on, even in the high school um, time frame. And these were also the people that were um, learning to express emotions um, not in a positive way. So um, back in the 90s, this would be like your stereotypical like goth crowd or emo crowd I think is what it was called in the early 2000s um but those were most of my friends now I do a lot of the friends that I still have today that are from the middle school and high school um time range they were the ones that I um had met and got connected with through the church with Mm -hmm. good families that just looked after me during that time right um, but very, very few. I think I only have like three or four mm-hmm. um, that I'm still friends with. But everybody else, yeah, marginalized groups yeah. and other groups that were bullied too uh, mm-hmm. for just trying to figure out their own identity. Absolutely. Now, the drug and alcohol abuse that you started earlier on, um, how did that affect your relationships? How did that affect your overall life during that time? Yeah. Um, so at first, uh, because I was accepted by these groups, um, it, it got me into that world of drugs and alcohol and in abusing those substances um, very, very early on. It, it got me into a very dark path and destructive path of everything that you can think of, including like pornography. Mm-hmm. And um, that really damaged a lot of relationships that I was in. I didn't understand my own emotions, let alone how to be in relation with someone else and um, really how to talk to people and get them to hear how my heart felt. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to communicate that. Um, and I started to isolate myself because every time I struggled with that communication, I would turn to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I became really isolated through sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, um, my friends really started to dwindle um, just because they had started to OD. um, And many of them even committed suicide during that time. And, um, you know, I was wrapped up in that world. Um, Some of the suicides I had um, seen myself and experienced and, um, you know, tried to respond to and um, just left paralyzed in that spot. Like, I, I didn't really know which way to move or where to turn. Yeah. How could you process that. that at that, you know, at that age? Yeah. Um, what was happening? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, with that being said, of course, now, once we get past the high school stage and mm-hmm. you wanting to be a member of the U.S. Marine Corps, um, <laughs> he said, as a child, that's what you always knew that you wanted to be. You wanted to be like Captain America. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> but let's talk about um, when your life began to change. Well, people mm. who come along your path at certain times in your life absolutely. Kind of, yeah, that kind of give you a glimpse of, of what life can uh, can be like for you. But you met your first real Christian man mentor in the core. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't meet him in the Marine Corps at all. I was working out with my buddy at a 24 seven gym. Mm-hmm. And um, this was my first time ever trying to work out. I was trying to get strong. I was like, you know what, like, I'm about to graduate high school. If I graduate high school, um, I can enlist in the Marine Corps. That is a path for me. And 
Um, that's what I was pushing and striving to do. And this guy um, admitted when he um, spoke to me, he was a captain at the time, mm-hmm. uh, that he had seen us a couple times and he just really loved our drive and just saw something within me. And he encouraged me, inspired me, and trained me um, to be something better than myself. And um, it had a lot of Christian undertones, but he approached it Mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't necessarily, Hey, I'm from the church. I'm, I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, God wants this for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he could sense that I was struggling with my identity and, um, that it could have been standoffish, mm-hmm. um, if he came at it with that context. So you know, he found a way to communicate with me and, um, it was really cool because here was someone that I had never met in my life, um, who just wanted to, inspire something within me and and ignite a flame, so to speak, um, to seek something better than myself and, um, you know, attempting to leg press a couple (laughs) hundred pounds in the gym and turning that into something that's functional and real and that Mm -hmm. serves other people. Mm -hmm. Now, how did that go over with, uh, with your family, uh, with wanting to enlist? at that, that point in time. <laughs> yeah. Um, they absolutely were like, heck no. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, it wasn't because I, um, you know, didn't want to work hard or anything, but school was just something that didn't attract me anymore yeah. because of all the bullying and because of some of those wounds. Um, so I was that lazy student that just didn't do work. Um, I was that lazy student that was like, I don't need to study. Um, and so I was feeling out of high school. So I thought it was the only answer for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm blessed with a dad that he is former Navy and um, he was able to navigate uh, a course of my life to say, hey, no, like we're not going to go this route. Like y- I know that you can go farther. And um, for the first time in my entire life, um, I felt my dad was pushing me to do something that was more for me instead of, um, for him or for something else. Um, and my dad, my father is a great father. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of wounds there Mm -hmm. and I finally decided to trust him and, uh, he helped me get accepted into the Virginia military Institute. So, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a little BMI, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the entire time I went there, um, you know, I had it in my mind that okay, like, cool, you you're making me go to college, but I'm still going to be a marine. So mm-hmm. like, haha, take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had gotten um, signed up to be an English major at the time. I was in AP Language Arts in high school. I was mm-hmm. in college English. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm already halfway done with my first year of credits. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pick this major. Um, and I wanted to pursue the intelligence community in the Marine Corps um, just based on some of the mentors and some of the people that were put in my path mm-hmm. um, in the Corps. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then I ended up, you know, changing my major twice. Right. And uh, <laughs> my dad, you know, got the uh, yeah. th- got the last say there and was mm-hmm. grateful that um, – I had a fallback and I had a degree and, and I had another mm-hmm. passion outside of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Now, when while you were at VMI, um, you kept the addictions? Yeah, um, I kept them quiet, but I thought, OK, like 
man, I can totally start fresh in this new environment where no one knows me. No one from home is going to VMI. Um, I'm in this school in close proximity with all these other people and I could just be a completely different person, Mm -hmm. but I kept anchoring to those addictions. And if anything, it got worse because, um, you know, the college scene really, really does bring that, um, uh, to the surface and it's a lot easier to get a hold of drugs and alcohol when you're Mm -hmm. away from home. And Um, so it just got easier and VMI, um, is located in Lexington, Virginia, which was very, very close to, um, just outskirts of Virginia where it was really, really easy to find drugs that I've never even tried before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that curiosity also just kept me in, um, addiction Mm -hmm. and, um, I did my best to hide it well, um, for the longest time, but eventually got caught through alcohol um and had to go through AA um my sophomore year of college wow and through that program I didn't have a lot of rapport with AA but um my host family at VMI um really really just god-centered family I mm-hmm. I mean we could we could talk an hour and yeah. a half about them just by themselves but yeah. um they just gave me so much grace during that time. And even if they didn't know every single detail about what was going on or what I was getting into, um, they fought really hard for my heart. And Mm -hmm. that really, really started to plant seeds that I didn't know I needed by the time, um, 2014, my junior year of college rolled around. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say fought really (laughs) hard for your heart, what does that mean? What were they doing? They were just so patient with me. And um, I think if you look up like the fruits of the spirit, um, the Harlow family definitely exhibited every single one of those. Every time I interacted with them, Mm -hmm. Um, they never wanted anything of me. Um, They didn't do it because, you know, my dad was paying them or anything like that. Like they just from the goodness of their heart um, wanted to love on me and wanted me to heal. And I think they saw a lot of identity issues with me. And just kept pushing, um, kept planting seeds. And Mm -hmm. Russ um, was the only person that would really sit and just listen. Um, And I really respected that. And I loved it because I had never had somebody that actually wanted to listen to me um, growing up. So Mm -hmm. that was a, it was really cool to have that experience through college. It's always a blessing to have someone outside of your own family unit uh, that's Uh able to um, pour into you uh, like that during your life. Okay, so now by this point, you've been um, uh, the product of divorce. uh, Your your parents got divorced when you're in the fifth grade. Uh, Uh You've been you've gone through being bullied. Um, You're going through the uh, drug and alcohol addiction. But talk about what happened to you in April of 2014. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so April 2014 was a lot of different things. I was um, struggling to keep a relationship with someone that I was dating since like on and off since junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a toxic relationship in which we kept just going back to. We were really um, hanging on to each other. And um, that was kind of the breaking point for that relationship. And um, so lost that relationship. So I was like, okay. 
went um, the entire 2013 to 2014 semester. I had just changed majors from engineering to biology, um, and I just felt drowned in schoolwork and um, that I didn't really know where my purpose was. I was learning stuff about like plants that I didn't really care about. And um, although I had some incredible professors at VMI, the topics that I was being taught, I just didn't have a lot of rapport right. with at the time. Um, and then someone who was like an older brother to me that was in the Corps of Cadets at VMI, he was preparing to commission to the Marine Corps. And um, in April, he had committed suicide. Hmm. Um, just before he graduated and got to commission. And that was just, it, it, it hit different than all the previous ones. I was, I was starting to navigate myself away from drugs and um, in the addiction world. Mm -hmm. And um, I had all these seeds planted in me to just, hey, be, be better than who you are. Start to be honest with yourself and have some integrity. And um, I just went home that summer and I just felt completely lost. Um, but additionally, about a week, I think it was a week. Yeah, a couple days or a week after um, Eric had committed suicide, I found out that I couldn't commission in the Marine Corps. Mm. Um, I ran a physical fitness test for OCS, mm -hmm. um, Officer Candidate School. Mm -hmm. I was in the PLC program so that I could earn um, the ability to commission at that school. If you were not full scholarship, you had to do, uh, you had to earn your Marine Corps commission a different mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And um, I had previously run a PFT um, in 18 minutes and 30 seconds. So three miles in 18 minutes, 30 seconds, wow. um, which I think is still 100 in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. um, at least for that part of yeah. the PFT. And um, I had pneumonia and um, I ran this PFT in like 26, 27, 28 minutes, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. It was mm -hmm. a really terrible score. And the doctor that was on post prescribed um, a couple inhalants to me. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't break the seal on the medication, um, that had the Marine Corps asking a couple questions. And they were able to find in my health records, like all good uh, people should, yeah. that um, I did have this long crisis within my journey of figuring out my own health expression as a kid and I, it flagged me as very high risk mm. and the Marine Corps told me uh, that I could not commission and become a Marine. Whoa. So I went home losing everything that I thought I knew, uh, even friendships that I had ruined. Um, and June in that summer was actually my last suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. Now you say last suicide attempt at this point, mm -hmm. how many times had you tried? Uh, seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. How old were you with the first attempt, Brad? 13. Wow. 13 or 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somewhere in there. Hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And as from someone, I also have tried to do that as well in my past. So hmm. that um, we do have something in common um, with that. But, you know, as do I, you do. You have a purpose. Um, now, okay, your last attempt this, uh, when I read about it, a very amazing experience following your mm. attempt. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so little subtle plug here because I totally binge watched all of your testimony. Oh, did you really? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. you had said something about just being in silence Yes. and, um, 
you know, before I tell the rest of my story, I'm like, for those listening, like pause right now and just sit in silence for a couple of minutes. It is so powerful what God can do through your life. And I think in our culture, we love everything to be busy, everything to have noise. Mm-hmm. And um, and God's just trying to say, slow down. Yeah. We don't realize this, but Psalm 23 says he lies us down in green pastures mm-hmm. and walks us through the valleys. Yeah. And a lot of us like to do the opposite. We like to lie in the valley yeah. and walk through the green pasture. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, if you don't sit in silence or in solace, um, you're not going to get there. Right. And God is constantly trying to speak to us yes. and constantly trying to reach out to us. Oh, yes. And so many people go out there and they want to read books. They want to watch movies. They want to get inspired. They want to do all these things. Right. But God's not asking you to do anything. God's just asking you to be. To be. Absolutely. Well, um, so yes. I just wanted to put that subtle plug in there because I thought you said being in silence and yes. I think your first one with your yeah, story. I sure did. Just sat there yeah. in that silence, especially when you're walking in that journey of becoming stronger uh, in your Christianity and um, mm-hmm. in your spirituality, you're a little bit more aware of things around you. And one of the things along that is learning to sit in silence. And that silence sometimes when God is there, it hits a little different. It sounds very, mm-hmm. it's, believe it or not, I mean, silence has a sound, you know, it has a regular sound. But then, oh, there, yeah. but then there is silence. And you talked about hearing a high pitch sound and that's mm-hmm. sort of like it's like you can feel the energy in the room it has like that that hum to it so to speak and it's not from your air conditioner or your heater or anything like that but you'll know it when you hear it but let's talk about mm-hmm. that experience that you had yeah so um uh, i had gotten in the car one night and um i just drove and being from the north georgia mountains um there's a lot of mountain roads you can go on and um you know, I even remember going to a gas station that night to fill my tank. I put, you know, back back then it was like $30 to fill my mm-hmm. Ford Explorer up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, put 30 in the tank and I drove all night long. And, I, you know, I had snuck out that night, whether my parents knew that I was gone or not. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up driving to the parking lot of the Lifetime Fitness that I worked out at and actually met uh, that first Christian man mentor who was a Marine. Uh Um, and it was just the place that I was led to. And I don't know why. Um, well, I do know why now, but (laughs) I had the music on full blast as loud as you can go. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I had this urge to just scream Mm -hmm. as loud as I possibly could. And it was the first time that I felt like I could truly express the hurt because it had always come out as like anger in communicating with other people and something in the back of my mind just spurred me to finally just pop. And, um, you know, I decided not to go through with that suicide attempt, but I just sat there and screamed. I kicked, I hollered. Um, I probably honked, um, mm-hmm. a couple times in the back of the parking lot. Cause I was just slamming on everything that I could um, you know, dented the heck out of my dashboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but just had a moment of expression. And um, even though the music was just blaring and I was screaming so loud and so hard that I uh, I got like hoarse the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, all I heard was silence, kind of like what I was alluding to. Yeah. Um, and I think it forced me to try to scream harder and to kick harder and punch harder and whatever. But um the only thing that I could hear was like this 
this humming that turned mm-hmm. into like a high-pitched buzz. Mm-hmm. And I remember clear as day, I got goosebumps all up and down my body. The hairs on my arms and legs started standing up. And what turned into like this screaming and beating on the dash and all that just turned into crying. And mm-hmm. I realized in that moment that all of those little seeds that were planted from the people along the way got me to have awareness that God was actually sitting in that car with me. Yes. And I really felt the presence of Holy Spirit just within me. And as clear as day, I heard, hey, Brad, I know, I know what's going on. And I still love you. Mm. And it's okay. And man, so that of course got me crying. Yeah, that's good so me crying now. Even when I read about it, it's like I started tearing up immediately when I uh, read, you know, your backstory. And I was just like, and I'm doing it now still. So, yeah. wow. And it was crazy because uh, I still remember it. So the next morning, um, if you're ever in Georgia, um, I don't, I don't think South Carolina Waffle Houses have it right. But for whatever <laughs> reason, if you cross the state line, there's a Waffle House on every corner, and they're yeah. all really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I had been in that car all night and mm. all morning. It was about four or five a.m., wow. and I was like, "Well, I'm hungry now." <laughs> so <laughs> there's a Waffle House right down the street off of um, Windward Parkway. Yeah. And um, or sorry, Old Milton Parkway, mm-hmm. which is right around the corner from there, mm-hmm. and. Um, I went to that waffle house and just sat there with like a cup of OJ mm-hmm. and a, uh, my favorite meal that I get at waffle house. Mm-hmm. And I was just staring. And I remember the, uh, the waitress just went up to me and she was just like, it looks like you're coming out of a hard time. Uh-huh. And I just looked at her with like teary eyes. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I would love another cup of OJ okay. right now. <laughs> Please, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. And right. I, don't want, I don't know what to do with this, and I don't know how to communicate to you. Right. You obviously know. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that is powerful. And so from there, you started your your healing journey and mm-hmm. your um, walk with God. Let's talk about that and where... Um, you are now, you're married, mm. you have a, a newborn, mm-hmm. um, you have your um, your chiropractic uh, practice as a holistic health practitioner. Um, mm-hmm. How are things going for you? How did you get to that point? Because for you right now, mm. life sounds good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as good as it sounds, it doesn't mean that there are days in which I don't suffer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, days are still hard and they're every single day is a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the post-it note version. So um, after that moment that summer, I took an internship opportunity with my chiropractor who actually helped my dad. Um, and I loved everything that they did. And I asked my chiropractor, I was like, Hey, um, I'm not commissioning the Marine Corps anymore. I don't know what to do. And, but I love everything that you're doing. And I have feel, I felt that you have helped me on my healing journey. Mm -hmm. And he was like, absolutely. Guess what? Chiropractic school is in Atlanta. And if you have a biology degree, you can get accepted. Um, so come to chiropractic school, become a chiropractor. And his one advice was never, never commit yourself to one technique in chiropractic, learn everything you can, because 
the abstract stuff is are the things that you will probably see in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to tell me, hey, don't just stick with what school's going to teach me. So um, fast forward, I went to chiropractic school. I was still struggling with my walk of faith um, at the time. I was um, privy to Buddhism and Taoist beliefs of just compassion. Okay. And so I did a lot of studying of um, Buddhism and Taoism and um, and what that looked like. And it had a lot of rapport in the chiropractic world because of um, yogi type of practices. Sure. They're in the same kind of inner circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into a bunch of different techniques. Um, I, you know, spent all of my money that I possibly could to go to every seminar and learn everything that I possibly could um, and just start my healing journey. And the seminars and the places that I went to to learn the techniques that I do um, wasn't even for everybody else. It was me seeking how to heal further from all of these wounds and how to reconcile with them. And a lot of the techniques that I use um, are actually emotionally based. Um, And that's how I practice as well. The deepest rooted traumas can actually manifest themselves into your body and into your health. Mm -hmm. And, um, there, there is a lot of grief that I was just able to get over and reconcile with. And my mentor was really, really good at, um, creating a space of healing for me, um, during that time, a mentor that I met in the chiropractic program Mm -hmm. and, um, and continues to be today, even if he doesn't know it. And, um, just kept pointing me back towards like, there's something deeper with, with, with what God is trying to tell you and what is God and what God is trying to do through you. Um, so ended up, you know, going through my healing journey throughout the chiropractic years. Um, I had just gotten out of a relationship that I thought was going to be, you know, the, the one that Mm -hmm. was my forever. Um, so, um, you know, I brought that hurt with me, but I was, I was completely different. I, um, I started to slow down and go, okay, God, like, I see that doing it my way is not going to (laughs) work. It never does. Um, No, it never does. So, um, even though I am full of sin and I am so freaking flawed, the list is so long. Mm. Um, you know, I was finally like, I, I want to surrender this to you because Mm. I want to be a great husband and an even better father. And I think that came from just some of the wounds that I had growing up. Sure. Mm. Um, and that was like my passion, my purpose. I wanted that more than I wanted to be a successful chiropractor. Um, And, you know, one thing led to another and I met my wife and, um, you know, on the first date, um, I, I had a really long conversation with God after that first date and, um, even texted my best friend and I was like, holy cow. Um, (laughs) yeah, so she is a beautiful woman, but I think God is pushing me towards her. And, um, Mm -hmm. I ended up going on three dates with her. And at the time, God kept telling me, um, don't go on any more dates mm-hmm. than three oh. unless you know that you're going to go the distance That's specific. And, and, and get yeah. married. Yeah. yeah. And that was and I was like, I don't know why, but OK. Mm-hmm. And um, so on the third date, I told my now wife, um, you know, that I had this on my heart and I don't know why. 
and that I wanted to learn her story and that I wanted to be the man that was just committed to her and that wanted to marry her someday. And, um, you know, God just has this beautiful way of bringing two people together. And Annie had (laughs) a walk in which she had been waiting for somebody to say that. Um, And um, her little tester was if someone knew the story of Ruth and Boaz and Uh, redemption (laughs) and love. Uh And she had asked me about that story. And I like, I was quoting some of the book of Ruth because (laughs) my mom instilled that love story (gasps) into my heart my my entire life. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, when you look back at it, right. And you're like, oh my God, this is ordained ever since then. Your mother was preparing you for that moment (laughs) with that, because you're, you're soon to be wife at that time. That was her specific thing. And you look at that. I mean, just look at that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so, you know, of course that was on the third date and I was mm-hmm. like, mm, I have to meet your parents and you know, <laughs> we, we should, we should build towards it. But I let her know, like my intent is to marry you someday. <sighs> like, I'm not going to shy away from this. This isn't mm-hmm. me just talking the talk. I need to walk the walk as well. Yeah. Um, so we got engaged, we got married last May. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, we, uh, yeah, we have a three month old rainbow baby because oh. we miscarried, um, early on yeah. in our marriage mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, Taylor Beautiful. is right now upstairs snoozing is what oh, it sounds like. Bless his heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Brad, thank you so much. And the way I, I know I said earlier, um, in the beginning, you know, starting with the, the podcast and I'm always really big on people being placed in your path or putting you in the Mm -hmm. right place at the right time to make those connections. And we met actually when I was out shooting a story um, for the Jefferson Awards for my job Mm -hmm. here at the television station. And I was there interviewing someone else. You um, weren't actually part of it, um, so to speak. Well, you were. You were one of the people working out there. You were doing Mm -hmm. it at that time. But it was on your heart to come ask me like so why are you doing this story what um Mm -hmm. you know why is this on your heart to do and so as soon as you said that asking me why was it put on my heart to do that then I knew that was sort of like a code for me that Uh. you were you were tapped in and so from there we got to talking and you said this and I said that I was like oh my god and um and Philip uh who was there who was the uh, the subject of the interview at the time I had already explained Uh to him about the podcast and how god was was always putting people on my path for me to talk to, to be a part of it. And I told him, I said, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. So right there in front of, in front of uh, Phil, he was able to see um, how God connects the dots right then and there. But um, yeah, I'm so glad you, no, that was, I'm so glad you that did so that. Cool too. I'm yeah. so glad um, you did that. So a little background story on that whole day too. Yeah. Um, I was asked really early on, um, I connected with Phil not too long ago because I just believe in what he does and I want to support it. And I yeah. want my business to support, um, warrior wad. Yes. But, um, yeah, Shannon, the owner of CrossFit iron bridge had just said, Hey, I, I know you come after work to work out around this time. We need people working out in the background for Phil for the warrior wad interview. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like whatever. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that morning, 
was a rough morning uh, adjusting shift wise, just holding space for a lot of trauma for people. Mm -hmm. And when I got done, I did not want to go to the gym. I was like, nope, I'm going to back out. I'm going to back down. I'm not going to do this. Like I didn't hard commit. And, um, and something was just pushing me to like, no, like you're still going to go. And, uh, oh my gosh, I was so worn out from the day. I didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And I ended up having a great conversation with everybody that day. And, mm-hmm. um, it, that's just how spirit works. When, how even when works. you don't want to, exactly. if you were <laughs> walking in obedience, yes, God will position things, um, a very specific way. And it's almost impossible not to see when you mm-hmm. learn how to be obedient. Yes. Um, and that's just been my prayer for the past two years is, uh, first be anchored, um, and then be obedient. So that's been a little mantra for um, my family now mm-hmm. um, for the past two years. And I love that. And of course, Anchor is part of uh, the name of your own practice, which is in, uh, in mm-hmm. West Ashley in Charleston here in South Carolina. It's called Anchor of Life, Family, Chiropractic, and Holistic Health. And, yes, ma'am. Um, I wish the best for for your business and, and your healing of other people and your continued healing of yourself and becoming the best husband and father um, that you can be with the help of, uh, of course, with God in your life and covering your marriage. And I'm just so glad that we had the opportunity to meet, uh, to um, kind of connect more of the dots and have a deeper conversation and seminaries, seminary school. How's that going? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Before I'm I let you go, of, there's so much, there's yeah. so much to get to. You got to forget <laughs> seminary school. Um, yeah. So my church, this is, this is another God thing. There you go. Um, when Annie and I first started dating, um, I had a problem connecting with churches down here and I, one of my things was, okay, if this is the girl I'm going to marry, um, we have to be going to church together. Like that was Amen. one of the just mm-hmm. little rules that I had with God, um, with doing it his way. Mm-hmm. And she was already a member of the church. She was already serving on prayer team for Grace City Church in West Ashley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to your church. And I fell in love with it immediately. It was um, it was a church that was willing to equip their members really, really well, but also answer the tough questions. And um, the pastor was the one that actually ended up marrying Annie and I. We did premarital counseling there and just his influence and his, the space that he held, um, really inspired me to just start asking questions. And I started on my own doing some Bible studies and really diving into the word before shift each day. Mm-hmm. And we were at a member night one night and, um, our pastor, Will Plunk was just like, um, so we want to do this thing where we're taking y'all basically through accelerated seminary. It's going to take a year and a half. It's a long commitment. You're going to have to do it with your full-time jobs. But if, uh, and he, he obviously shared some other details and made it sound a lot more attractive than <laughs> I am right now. Um, but, um, he was like, if you, if you feel this burning desire within your heart to do it, like, please go sign up or someone will nominate you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went home that night and I was like, Annie, um, we have to talk because I don't know what this looks like. I don't know why I'll pray about it and I'll sit on it, but I'm telling you right now that like my heart is on fire for this. Like Mm -hmm. I want to do this Mm -hmm. and I don't know why I don't know where it's going to lead. Um, you know, Will didn't really say that it's going to be like, Oh, you're a minister now or, Oh, you're a pastor. You didn't know what the end was going to look like or what it was. Yeah. But you knew you you wanted to do it. 
Yeah. And I still, I still have no idea what it's going to be, um, ending up to be, but Uh yeah, exactly. God (laughs) knows. And, um, that's been beautiful. We've been on a three week break, which has been really great because the last 10 week cycle we had, uh, was a ton of stuff all at once. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, we just got done learning biblical counseling and, um, ecclesiology. So the structure of the churches Mm -hmm. and, um, various denominations and stuff. And we're about to start, uh, I think eschatology, okay. which would be really cool because I'm in the middle of Revelation right now with uh, a bunch of guys. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's been incredible. Um, it's just been igniting a fire within me to really look deeper in the Bible on my own and then in community with other people. Mm. And um, the way that it connects to all of these other books that I've read in the past, all of these other even healing modalities in my practice um, and all these different techniques that I know, um, it, it's really cool. And uh, I just got done with a book called Abraham's Silence, which was a viewpoint on um, Abraham sacrificing his son, mm-hmm. um, Isaac, and really dove into the book of Job, which is all about suffering and, um, and God's purpose for suffering. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's way more to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been bouncing between the book of Job and the book of revelation right now. And, um, two really, really tough books, but man, um, the things that God is continuously revealing every single moment is, um, unfathomable. And I'm really stoked that, um, I have a, ability within my business every single day to just subtly minister to people every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's God's purpose for it, right? He, yes. uh, he wants us to not be passive in believing in who he is. Yes. And he wants us to be able to um, also stay in our prayer. Um, that's a mantra that our uh, my mentor shared recently. Um on social media, but, um, to stay in your prayer, to stay, stay in your purpose and, um, to not let society structure that prayer for you, but authentically raw is all get out who you are. Being able to stay in your prayer is going to lead to these opportunities of obedience. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what next yeah. week looks like, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I'm just going to walk every single day in the way that I'm told. And I am totally going to stumble and, you know, fall along the way yes, and just all. pray mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the community around me is uh, able to have some some grace and mercy uh, just as much as God does. So, yeah. Amen. 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 And watch this. Brad Aniskevich. Did I say it right? Oh, oh, Third man, time's a go. charm. There we yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Be blessed. Oh, thank um, you. Love you. You've got a friend now. You know, we're friends for life from this Absolutely. point on. Until next time, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest or if you just want to share your testimony, call 843 608 0804 that's 8436080804 or email testimonies with tessa at gmail.com